0: From Him who uses the ordinary to do His work. And from Him who is uncommonly ordinary. Come all grace, mercy, and peace to each of you today. Our Gospel lesson from John 6 will serve as the basis for the sermon again today. And I say again because it was the basis for the sermon last week, and it'll be the basis for the sermon next week as well. Because where we find ourselves today is in the middle of a three-part discourse on bread. Yep, we had bread last week as we talked about bread being wonder bread and what it does for us. And we talked, uh, we're talked. we going to talk about bread this week. And guess what? We're having bread next week as well. But before you go complaining about leftovers again, let me explain something to you here. There's a lot deeper meaning this week with the bread as compared to the bread we talked about last week. And what I mean by the deeper meaning is is that on the surface level, it may all seem the same, but there's a reason why Jesus is spending so much time on talking about this bread. And No pun intended, the leftovers are just now getting heated up. We start today with the exact same verse we left off with last week. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This verse comes right after the crowd last week telling Jesus to give them this bread always. But since they still don't have a a proper understanding of what bread is, since they still have a misconception of it, Jesus has to teach further now. And for the next five verses after this one, Jesus will speak of how they have seen Him but don't believe in Him. Of how He is the bread of life. Of how He was sent from heaven by God for their salvation. Of how what's been given to Him through the Father, He shall never lose grasp of. The crowd now, last week after hearing all this, asked Jesus to give them this bread. Sir, give us this bread always. But this week, the crowd does something different. It's not the reaction. They don't go asking Jesus for bread this week. Rather, they grumble against Him. Because Jesus Himself claimed to be this bread. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Did you notice anything different here in this verse? There's been a change in a couple different ways. We know the first obvious change is they didn't ask for bread, but they grumbled against Jesus about this bread. They're complaining about who's proclaiming to be the bread. But secondly, this reaction now might be explained by who the crowd is. And this is why I asked you, did you notice the change? Last week, we just had a crowd, an unidentified crowd of people coming to ask for their bread. This week, the crowd's identified. And who is it? It's the Jews. More to the point, it's the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus' main opponents. That's probably perhaps why we now know what the reaction is compared to last week. Why they're grumbling. I mean, what just happened? Did the crowd miraculously turn into the Jewish religious leaders? Or were they embedded in the crowd all along? Does it really even matter how they got there? Because all we know now is their grumbling. And that grumbling should now come as no surprise knowing who they are. And this in a way ties back to last week's message about the old comfortableness of familiarity. But the Jewish religious leaders' combativeness is probably perhaps explain much more deeper than just a change from works righteousness to a Savior who does all the work for them regarding salvation. Now this message of salvation is hard enough for them to comprehend, but I would contest this. I would contest that the King that God has chosen to deliver to the Jewish people is even harder for them to digest. This Jesus is just an ordinary person In their eyes on the surface. At least that's how the Jews perceived Him to be. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say that I have come down from heaven? The religious leaders are identifying this common man coming from common folk. Who they know. There's no way in their minds that Jesus could possibly be the Savior. Why? Because it goes back to the familiar tradition that they have of what a Savior should look like. Being a mighty warrior with a mighty sword coming in on a a strong steed. Wiping out their enemies. They still cannot understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus appears to them extraordinarily common. Not what they should think He should look like. There's a certain twist of irony here in that last week we were talking about how people tend to fall back to what's familiar uh, when they're confronted with something new. And yet, this week, God uses the common, familiar things that people could recognize in order to proclaim His message. Bread. Bread. And Jesus. And when I say Jesus, what I mean here is that God came to the people in a form that they could relate to. Jesus as a human being. I find that ironic that these people, the religious leaders, don't get it. They still miss seeing and hearing what God is saying. And because of this, they aren't learning. So much for educated leaders. How often do we miss God at work in life? How often do we get caught up in our own machinations of the mind and how we think God should look or act? Let me ask this question. Why do we suppose that God came down to our level in the form that He did? Meaning in human form, being born in a lonely manger, born to common folk, growing up to look like a common man? Perhaps God came in the form He did because it was the only way that we could understand Him or or see Him. We can't handle His glory. We can't handle the sight of His splendor. Remember, God used a common bush to appear to Moses. Elijah had to hide in a cleft of a rock as the Lord came passing by so he wouldn't die. And after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, God continued to work and be present through common people like a tent maker, a physician, fisherman. Jesus continues to speak in parables and uses common everyday life to illustrate his teachings. And the point being is that that's what God does. He uses common ordinary people and objects to do his work. But to understand this, to see and how, where God is working and doing things, we've got to have a, dare I say, a come to Jesus moment. You know what I'm talking about. You probably heard that phrase or said it yourself. I'm going to have a coming to Jesus moment with so and so because they need to change their ways. You know the context of it. Well, that's what it takes in order to understand the teachings of Jesus. Coming to Jesus. Jesus is referencing here in this context a come to Jesus meeting as well as he addresses these religious Jews who are grumbling against them. Jesus answered them. Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Him draws him. And I will raise up on the last day, and it is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He who has seen the Father. Different denominations today in Christianity have different ways that they propose that people come to God. People in, in ordinary society who are part way Christians have their own concepts of coming to Jesus these days, taking different ways to, to come to Him. But I hark back to what Jesus said you know, nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to the Father, and there's only one way to Jesus. For the Jews here, the grumbling against Jesus, to come to Jesus would probably be in their traditional concept of a messianic Savior. But Jesus makes it perfectly clear that no one comes to Jesus without God's beckoning and teaching and a disciple's learning. And this calling and teaching is God's and God's alone. Without His beckoning, we would be in famine because only He can offer the true bread of life. Without His teaching, well, we would be malnourished. We wouldn't be equipped to model in Christ and to proclaim the Gospel. And how often have we proclaimed to be Christians and shown anything but due to our actions? Who is this that say that they're a Christian? Isn't this so-and-so who came from over there? (laughs) People may not say that, but I guarantee I've had moments in my life when I've proclaimed one thing and did another, and people looked at me and went, yeah, you're supposed to be a Christian? Aren't you so-and-so from back in the day? Maybe people do think about that way about us and about who we are. But in order to constantly proclaim the Lord and to to live out what we're supposed to be in our callings, you got to be in His Word. you got to be constantly fed and taught by the Lord. Because only the Lord can give us the language to say. Only the Lord can give us the proper understanding. And there's a difference between being naive and being somebody who takes things out of context because we're relying on this. Extraordinary. We're just ordinary people. But God takes us and does extraordinary things through us. Even sometimes despite us. Because that's who God is. It's not about physical food, but a living bread. We can only live in this context and be taught and partake of the bread of life by, by coming to Jesus. And how do we come to Jesus today? How do we approach His table? How do we approach the living bread in His Word? Maybe you're like me at times. You get so caught up in the ordinary things in life that you can't see Jesus as present. That God's beckoning. And that the bread is waiting. Sometimes we don't want to come to Jesus and take this living bread because, well, there's times we think that it just doesn't taste good. Why is that? Because of the way it speaks to us. Because it makes us uncomfortable. It means that we have to change. Stop eating junk food. Eat the bread. The true nutrients in life. The bread that is Christ. But Jesus is present. And does things through ordinary means. It's just ordinary water in baptism. It's ordinary bread and wine in communion, but it's ordinary apart from His Word. When His Word speaks, then extraordinary things happen, like our sins being washed away at the baptismal font, like forgiveness in and through His Word in confession and absolution, like His real presence in the body and blood. Like our hardened hearts being softened. Like our ears being opened and our eyes being made to see of how the Lord works and understanding. And while you and I are just ordinary common folk, when we come to Jesus, we're nurtured in His Word and we understand what this living bread does for us and others through us. And then extraordinary things occur as the Gospels proclaimed. God continues even today to work through ordinary people like you and me and through ordinary things. And Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. So how do you see Jesus at work in your lives? Look when you leave here today. Look at the ordinary conversations that take place at a gas station. Or how God works through people on a baseball team. Or at the grocery store. Or even, dare I say, in a car accident. Jesus always works. Always uses the things that we understand to teach and to help us to learn. So come. Join me. Come to Jesus. Partake of this bread. Day after day. Week after week. Because this bread does amazing things. But then again, again, It's no ordinary bread. And to God be all the glory. Amen.